This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. job in the world because I know that some of your parents think that those are your children but they're really mine and I know that there are some parents here who are about to explode because they're so proud of their individual child who was performing up there but with me with that many young people who are mine doing so well if I just explode while I'm up here with pride, just, just, just excuse me, I'm calling the janitorial staff and, and clean up the mess. I, just unbelievable. I'm just so proud of my students. I, I get to, uh, I've got the best job in the world because I get to hang out with these young people 180 days out of the year. And I will tell you, my wife in the summertime, she says, you better, I just pray that school starts because I get so sad and so depressed when I'm not around my students. I am the official tickle monster. They call me that. Um, I I, uh, play with them at recess. I uh, do chapels for them on a regular basis. I sneak into their classrooms and and am a constant disturbance to the teachers. I have so much fun with these kids. You have no idea how wonderful the young students are that we have at Sawgrass Adventist School. We have a very, very special place where our students want to go to school, and at the end of the day, there are students who don't want to go home. I'm I'm not making it up. I'm not making it up. They, they, They love being there, and I just have such a great time. We've got a future song leader over there, just so you know. We've got a, he's going he's to be a praise team leader one day, too. And I, will t- I love Break Every Chain. We do sing it from time to time in chapel. We don't sing it every chapel just because when you have the entire student body singing it, it literally lifts the roof off the church when they're singing it. And I'm not quite sure how long the structure can stand it uh, when, when they sing it in chapel. Uh, it, is, it is just uh, brilliant. I, I lead song services in chapel, and it's just so wonderful to hear these young people praise God with all of their hearts. And I pray that, that one day we all get brave enough to praise God like a fifth grader. They sing their hearts out. Just praise you and thank you for being here today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for your children, for their beautiful voices, for their desire to know you. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with us during this time where we talk together. And may your people hear your voice alone. And may I only be a conduit of your message in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's, it's scary when, um, when we have dreams. I, I, don't know, I don't know how many of you, uh, 
How many of you have, have, have regular dreams? I, I, I'm diabetic, so I get really interesting dreams when my blood sugar's low. I mean, really interesting dreams, okay? Uh, they, they, they get pretty crazy. Now, now, the, now the good dreams, I have, most people, they say, only dream in black and white. That's what they say. But every once in a while, I've had color dreams. I don't know if you've ever had a dream in like vivid color before. Next time you dream, you know, think about it. You know, yeah, you're going to think about it in your dreams. Good luck with that. But, but um, you know, and, and there are some dreams, if you're like me, it's such a vivid dream, such an incredible dream that, that when you've had that dream, you think, I'm going to remember it in the morning. You know, there are sometimes I have a notebook next to my bed because sometimes the Lord will give me a dream, especially just before I, I preach a sermon. And there are sometimes the Lord has, has laid a, a, a topic on me before I preach, and I'm just having a hard time setting it up in a way that I feel is going to reach the congregation, and, and the Lord will actually just organize it for me. I mean, the thoughts are there, but they're disorganized, and I've got to wake up, I've got to write it down. Why? Because it's hard to remember dreams. And in Daniel 2, there's this king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he has a dream. And, and I believe this dream was one of those vivid color dreams. One of those dreams where he was aware it was important. One of those dreams where, where he said, I will remember that one in the morning. I don't know if you've ever again had that kind of a dream where you think this was so vivid. I'm going to remember it in the morning. And so he didn't bother to wake up and write it down. He didn't call in a scribe to write this dream down. He knew he would remember it in the morning. The problem is, He didn't remember it in the morning. The only problem is that, 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 that when he woke up in the morning, he knew he had had a life-altering, important experience in this dream, but he couldn't remember it. So he called for help. He called in his wise men. Now, I don't know how many of you have difficult bosses that you work for. I, 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 don't, I don't know if you do. You don't need to raise your hands. But, but sometimes people have unrealistic expectations. Loosely, please, keep your hand down, please. And, 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 and so, you, no, no, please don't. Be, be nice to me. No, no, not in public. So, but, but he calls in his people and he says, I've had a dream. And so they said, well, that's cool, boss. You had a dream. Okay, uh, I, I want you to interpret the dream. They say, okay, we can interpret the dreams. Tell us what it is. And they say, no, not only are you going to interpret my dream, but you have to tell me what I dream, the dream that I personally can't remember. You have to remember and tell me what I dream. And if it gets worse, if you think you've got a bad boss, he didn't just say that if you can't interpret this dream, that I can't tell you what I dreamt, you're going to be fired. He didn't just fire anybody. If you can't interpret this dream, I'm going to have you and all of my wise men put to death. Oh, quit complaining about your boss now. Really, 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 he, he's not that bad. Not that bad. He might be bad, but he's not Nebuchadnezzar bad. So next time you see your boss, say, boss, you're, you're bad, but you're not Nebuchadnezzar bad. Just, just, just. 
And word gets to Daniel, who apparently wasn't in that particular board meeting, or that, that the fact that his life was in danger and that he was going to be executed. And he gets his, he, a message to the king, says, just give me some time to pray and let me get my people together. And, and I'm going to come up with a dream and an interpretation that will be given to me by my God. And that's that great dream in Daniel chapter 2. And the reason it's an important dream is it mapped out world history from the time of Babylon all the way down to present day. And that's another whole sermon and, and, and another whole evangelistic series that we can go through sometime later. But, but basically you had this, this head and shoulders of gold which represented Babylon. You had a chest that was silver that represented Medo-Persia. You had a waist of bronze, which represent the, the, the Greek Empire, legs of iron, which represented the Romans, and feet of iron and clay, which we know represents us today. A world that cannot be united. A world of very powerful nations mixed in with very, very weak nations. That's the time we live now. And the, 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 my favorite part of that dream is that ultimately it was all going to come to the end when a rock unhewn by human hands was going to come down and smash that idol which we know is the second coming of Jesus Christ. But like all bad bosses, he didn't like that dream. That, 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 was, that was not how he saw it. We've got to understand, friends, that we're living in a world where people don't want to see things the way God sees things. We're living in a world, if we're honest, that maybe we don't want to see things the way God sees things. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He wanted his kingdom to last forever. He wanted to all be gold from the top of its head to the bottom of his feet. He wanted to be one golden kingdom where him and his children would rule the world forever. That was his desire. And so in Daniel 3, we find this king building a gold statue over nine feet tall in the plain of Shinar. And he calls everybody important, the who's who of the Babylonian empire. He gives them time. They're going to have a camp meeting and they're all going to show up. And there's this incredible gold edifice standing there. And people are wondering, what is this? And it had a distinct likeness to King Nebuchadnezzar. And they're thinking, this is really strange. And they get there and finally somebody calls out. And people must have had really loud voices back then. And somebody called out even louder than mine right now. Please forgive me. And, and, said, after the music plays and the singers finish singing, everybody needs to bow. Everybody needs to bow to the statue. 
And I want to ask you today, parents, I, I want to ask you really, really clearly before we get too deep into the story, are your children ready to burn? No, that might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm, re- I'm really asking you, friends, we're living in a time where we've got to ask ourselves, are your children ready to burn today? And the music played. And the trumpets sounded. And everybody bowed except for three Hebrews. Everybody bowed, friends. You know, we're living at a time in this world's history where we're, we're all making all kinds of, of day-by-day compromises in our walk with God. Lord, have mercy on us. Everybody bowed but three boys. These boys had been in that position before when they had been captured from Israel and brought to Babylon. Everybody ate the food that had been offered to idols on the king's table. And they said, as hungry as they were, teenage hungry boys. How many of you remember being a teenage hungry boy? I know just the men. Raise your hand. Women, don't raise your hand. They said, no, we're not eating that. It's been offered to idols, and we are the children of the one true God. They did not compromise from day one. They knew who their God was. Friends, our children need to know that the God that they serve is in them that it can't be taken away. Friends, our children need to know from day one that they are living in a world that seeks to enslave them and put them in chains, but that no chains can hold them as long as they stay true to the one true God. They're friends, when, when, when other gods can be collected and taken because they are made of stone or made of paper or, or made of mortar and brick. Think about the homes we live in, friends. Talk to the people in Fort Myers about those beautiful homes that they bought on the barrier islands right now. They invested all that, all those homes in that nice real estate out there. They built multi-million dollar homes and even the ground those homes were built on is now underwater. Friends, it's just going to take a single stroke of a president's pen and all that money that you have sitting in the bank right now. Now, I'm not saying make a run on the bank after church. I'm not saying that. But the stroke of a president's pen and all the money you think you have in the bank is not going to be there. It's going to be worthless. But no one can take God out of your heart. No one can take him out of your heart. Friends, at Sawgrass Adventist School, we live by that creed. We want to make sure that the children in our school have God in their hearts. It's the one thing that can't be taken away. It's the one thing that's going to keep them safe. It's the one thing that's going to get them to the kingdom of heaven one day. So many times we live our lives in this world as if this life is what matters. Let me say that again, friends. 
We live our lives in this world as if this life is the life that matters. And this life is, is, is just an apostrophe to eternity. But we live it as if this is it. People will tell you there's only one life to live. And it's like, no, there's one eternity to lose. Are your children ready for the fire, friends? we got to live with that question in our minds. Are they going to be ready when the time of testing comes? Are you going to be ready when that time of testing comes? It's hard to be ready, friends. It's not easy. I, I used to live in Tennessee. Now, I, I love the people of Tennessee. Love them. If any of you are watching, love you. But one thing that, that I dealt with when I lived, especially in Nashville, is there were a lot of people that didn't have a lot of teeth. I know there's somebody saying, nah, uh-huh, I live there. And, and I remember sitting in the dentist's office where, where, where I was listening to the guy next door arguing with the dentist who was going to pull his last tooth out of his mouth. And that there was a, a, an amazing discussion on, Mr. Jones, we really need to pull your tooth. It's rotten. You're going to get an infection if we don't pull your tooth. And you say, no, please, don't pull my tooth. Please, i got to have that tooth. It's the last tooth I've ever had. I don't want to have no teeth in my mouth. Everybody bowed except for these three guys. You, you, you notice people's teeth if they only have three left. They're sticking out. They're the last three. They're standing. Everybody is face first in the dirt. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing tall. Standing tall in a sea of bowing bodies. You see, you've got to understand, they weren't just praying to some abject piece of, piece of, of, uh, of, of art. They, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just that. You see, you've got to understand, Nebuchadnezzar was wanting to defy the Lord's plan for the world's history. This wasn't just a, a regular piece of artwork where you can say, well, I'm, I'm kneeling down, but in my heart, I'm truly standing is anybody sick of wokeism yet? In my heart, I'm truly, no. No, they were not going to bow to a king who wanted to deny God's plan for the future of the earth. They understood what they were bowing for. Friends, how many of us bow and scrape to people who want a future for this earth that God does not have planned? They stood. We're not bowing. Are your children ready to burn, my friends? Are you? Are you ready today? Friends, those feet of, of clay and iron is where we are. Friends, people are already, if you follow the news, you know that there are people in NASA right now who are absolutely obsessed with redirecting satellites. Redirecting 
meteorites. They're spending millions of billions of dollars to try to redirect meteorites. Just tried to do it a month ago. They're cheering because they know what's happening in Daniel. They know that that day is coming. I'm going to tell you something, friends. You can take this to the bank. You can put this in your heart. No one is going to stop God from coming. He paid too much of a price for you and me to wait. He's coming again. He's coming to take us home. And I don't care how much technology and how much money the devil is willing to throw at thwarting the second coming of Jesus Christ. But no one is going to be able to stop him from coming when that day arrives. And friends, we are living in the last days. Friends, it's not just us Adventists who believe it now. This this. Second coming of Jesus Christ is being preached in all churches. Churches who worship on the first day and worship who seven on the seventh. It's being preached in atheistic circles. They know this world is coming to an end. The only difference between us and them is we have hope. Are your children ready to burn? They get pulled up before the king. And I want you to understand right now that they were standing in front of a king, an emperor, the most powerful man in the world at that time. And he said, boys, he knew who they were. These guys were his prodigies. He made them. He made them his advisors when they were teenagers because they were ten times smarter than all of his adult advisors at the time. He knew them on first name basis. They weren't just some random people in the crowd. He experienced them growing up into mature, strong men. He trusted them implicitly because they were driven by the one true God. They came into him and he said, listen, one more time. Could understand this. He was going to give them a second chance. That's how important they were to him. Friends, so many times, you know, we, we hear the story. He was going to redo the whole ceremony just to give these three guys a chance. He could have killed them. When the music plays, and they didn't do the ceremony over again. That's where some people get the story wrong. He, he, they, he, they, he they said, when the music plays, and, and we do this again, just for you guys, so that you knuckleheads can figure out what to do, because I don't want to lose you. They say, Nebuchadnezzar, may you live forever. But you know us. You've known us since we were little boys. You knew us since you, you pulled us out of Jerusalem and brought us to your kingdom. You know where our power comes from. You know who we worship. You were one of the reasons that, that we were brought here is because we are those renegade Hebrews who don't pray to the same gods as everybody else. You've got to understand something, friends. When you are walking and talking for God, you're going to stand out. And if you're not standing out, it's probably because you're not walking and talking to God. If you're just able to easily blend in, Lord have mercy. 
Oh, friends, I, 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 I know that you might feel like I'm being hard on you right now, but I will tell you it's a little bit of tough love now so that I will see you in the kingdom of heaven. I'm not going to hold back because I want you in the kingdom of heaven. I'm not one of those ear-tickling pastors that's going to tell you what you want to hear and make you feel comfortable in the pews and have you sit in the pews lost. If you are blending in with this world, if you are like everybody else, if you're not standing for God now, God can't stand for you later. Let's be real here. There's a God who wants to stand for you, but you've got to stand for something, friend. And you either stand for God or you're standing for the other team. There's nothing in the middle. There's no sitting on the fence. There's no wait until tomorrow. It's today. Who do you stand for? Are you willing to be thrown into the furnace today? That's my question for you. Because I will tell you that at Sawgrass Adventist School, we want our children in the kingdom with us. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know us, man. You can do whatever you want, but we will not bow. And you've got to understand that Nebuchadnezzar had serious anger management issues. We established that in Daniel 2 when he didn't get his own way. He started killing people. And he looked at them and he said, listen guys, you're done because you've got to understand that he couldn't allow them at that point to get away without following his command because if he did that, he would be giving up his sovereignty as king. You've got to understand something, friends. In the world that we're living in today, we've got to stand up for God so that the people who feel they have sovereignty in and of themselves have to discover that they have to bow the knee to our God. So now he had to make an example of them. He had to show his outrage. He had to make it quite plain that anybody who didn't listen and follow his orders implicitly, that didn't have his vision for the future of this world was against him. And so he called and he said, make the furnaces seven times hotter. I'm going to throw you in there. And they're pumping and they're pumping air into it and they're throwing wood in there and they're getting that furnace seven times hotter until that furnace was glowing, glowing amber. Are you ready to be thrown into the flames today? Do you want your children to be ready to be thrown into the flames today? Because I'm telling you, friends, you know, we just talked in Sabbath school. For those, for those of you who are able to follow it or you studied your lesson or you know, we talked about the fact that we believe that Jesus is coming again and that we're going to be resurrected one day. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is coming again? 
Do you believe that he, when he comes, he's going to take you home to your true home? Do you believe, my friends? Because I'm telling you, there he was, and he said, I'm going to throw you in. And so these guards come, and they pick them up. And at the king's order, these guards who are wearing their bronze or maybe iron armor, they, they, they have it on, and, and they're holding the Hebrew boys in front of them as they go to the fire as a shield against the heat that is now coming from the furnace. And they take them. And and they throw them in. And the scripture says that the heat was so intense from the furnace that it superheated the armor of those soldiers. And they died there as these Hebrew boys were in the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar was watching with interest. And he calls out. Didn't we throw three men into that furnace? But there's a fourth one. who looks as if he is the Son of God. You see, friends, it's not until we're willing to be thrown into the furnace that we truly meet our Lord and Savior. You've got to understand this, friends. So many times we pray the prayer, Oh, Lord, make my life easy. Make it nice. Make it comfortable. And I'm saying, Lord, please do whatever you have to do to prepare me for your kingdom. Let's quit praying prayers of contentment and let's be so unhappy with this world that we will go through any misery to be ready for the kingdom of heaven when he comes to take us home. And then he calls out, you've got to get this, friends, because we can't change the world until we're ready to stand up for God. He calls out, he calls out, come out, O servants of the Most High God. And then he makes a proclamation, a proclamation that I believe saved his ability to remain ruler of Babylon. Anybody who speaks negatively of the God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego will be cut into tiny pieces. And their homes will be turned to rubble. Because their God is the true God. Friends, that's what we want for these children. And that's what they want for you. I'm going to invite us to stand as we close out service today, singing, Great are you, Lord. Great in trial, great in battle. Great are you, Lord. Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Say, so You give life. You give light, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Someone say, 
let's sing that out one more time. Say, great are you, Lord. Come on, declare that today, church. Declare it over your problems that great is the Lord. Great are you, Lord. Come on, he can free you from every chain. Great. Great. with the certainty of your greatness in our lives and may we live our lives as reflection of your greatness until you come to take us home in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's Seven-Day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you'd like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.